Assalamu alaikum people listening and watching you are tuning into the Let's Walk podcast I'm your host Ataur Rahman as always today's guest is Sheikh Ibrahim Hussain he is a current imam at Rahmat Masjid Ontario he is a mediator and leadership educator Sheikh Ibrahim assalamu alaikum thank you for being here Wa alaikum assalam Ataur Rahman thank you so much for uh, organizing this uh, interview and I hope um that I can share a lot of my experiences to our young muslims out there and hope you know my experience my experiences can be of benefit inshallah inshallah so sheikh ibrahim tell us a little bit about your childhood and your upbringing did you always know that you were going to be an imam so very good question so when i was young obviously you know born and raised in the united kingdom like you know a lot of young children Yeah, I had a passion for sports, especially football or soccer. We call it in Canada, North America. And I honestly had no clue whatsoever, no idea that I would, you know, one day, you know, be an imam. However, because my father um, was also an imam, which I later obviously was made aware of, and because of my father's love for the Quran and his attachment and connection with the Quran. I seem to have inherited this passion and devotion for the Holy Quran and the love of the Prophet peace be upon him and his family. So I had no clue whatsoever. In fact, I remember going to madrasa when I was a young child, you know, I just remember literally not really paying that much attention and just, you know, uh, you know, just like enjoying my time with my friends. Um but there was one pivotal part in my life when I was young where one day basically I just recited the Quran and I looked at myself and I said wow that was actually a very nice recitation like out of the blue it was just like a spontaneous amazing recitation and I asked myself where did this come from and I think that was really the start really and then one day one of my teachers Hafiz Salim uh, you know he used to do like um this competition element in our madrasa where he used to say that you know whoever will recite the Quran in a beautiful way will you know I'll buy him like you know the favorite bar of chocolate so these things motivational things and then i remember reciting i think it was surah duha and that that was really a turning point for me and i've reflected on that you know on this uh, incident on how it happened and i think it was the duas of my father and obviously the teachers of my father because my father had requested his teachers to pray that allah you know makes me a qari so it was some it was something like that you know it was something you know very very beautiful that happened miraculous in a sense uh, but uh, you know i was fortunate to you know have such a uh, such a blessing to be able to recite the quran in such a beautiful way so that's how it really happened so if when i was young i had no idea uh, and my my goal was never really from day one to become an imam it's just how allah placed me i guess in this position because this position itself is a is a is a very 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 important um, very important uh, role um where we need to be self accountable we need to be aware of ourselves and it's 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 a big leadership role because it's leading the community and you know it's it's more it's more difficult than people think and it's a big responsibility it's it's something that you know one should not take for granted it's a great great honor seeing your journey you maintain a fine balance between having the religious education and also the dunya education as we like to say and 
like what do you think um, are some ways that you know uh, parents and students can make the choice between you know having both of the education at the same time and instead of making it an either or situation yeah that's very very good question there um i believe it's important for all parents to obviously motivate their children and to the extent where you know i myself and alhamdulillah have children and obviously my my dream and my 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 wish is that you know my son also becomes a hafiz and a qari and at the same time you know there's times where i would like you i think that you know as long as he is a good human being and he's a good muslim and he loves islam and he loves the quran and he you know and and you know he he practices islam and he has good akhlaq you know if he doesn't become for example a hafiz or a qari cuz being a hafiz and a qari comes with a huge responsibility like an alim as well but at the same time if he becomes a professional for example he becomes a lawyer or he becomes an accountant or he becomes for example a businessman an entrepreneur and he serves humanity and he he for example shares the wealth that allah has given him with the creation then that is also important so it is very very important for us as parents to strike a balance and for us to also motivate our children not only to excel in secular education but in, but also in islamic education and that we need to we need to strike a balance even in our lives for example the quran has taught us that not only are we supposed to pray for this world or just for the hereafter we have to pray that allah grants us success and and goodness in this life in the dunya and in the akhirah so we have to strike a balance the quran also has pointed us towards a verse uh, wherein allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said in surah al-qasas that we must reflect on the on the on the fact that we must also earn our share in this dunya we must not forget the share of wealth that allah has you know provided for us in the dunya we have to seek that we have to earn that so you know it's very important that we strike a fine balance and the reality is that when it comes to obviously knowledge of the religion knowledge of the religion has to be practiced you know one can obviously memorize texts and memorize masail and you know rulings and all these things and you know how many sunnas there are in in for example zuhur and you know all these elements and all the sunnas of the prophet but one thing is to know something and one thing is to practice something until you don't practice your knowledge how is that knowledge going to benefit you so there needs to be obviously more action so we need to promote more obviously actions and as parents we need to make sure that we pray and we are fulfilling um the teachings of the prophet we're following the teachings of the prophet and when we act ourselves our children will follow our footsteps you know there's a story about a son um whose father said to him that you know make sure you don't slip you know walk carefully and then the son replied by saying you know make sure you don't slip because if you slip then i'll slip so you know as parents you know we have a great role to play as leaders and as role models for our children because our children will uh, emulate us and they will essentially copy us so whatever we do is something that our children will observe and they will also want to follow suit so chef tell us a little bit about your work uh, sulha solutions quran club prono and also thanks international tell us a little bit, little bit about what you do and 
so it all started with you know the holy and noble quran society now known as thanks international which my father established in um in 1992 um and this was basically uh, my father's brainchild and his his baby in a sense his organization to promote the teachings of the quran across the world specifically you know it was established and started in the united kingdom and mashallah he has trained many many students um some of his students um are the likes of mohsin isa for example the founder of eg group and they recently acquired asda um and they received um him and his brother they received an obe from the queen and some of his students also received mbes um, and my father taught them the quran so my father has been teaching the quran since the 80s in the united kingdom and he has over a thousand students and he a lot of his students he taught them how to read the quran from the beginning so i was also very fortunate to learn from my father and i grew up and i was essentially raised at the holy and noble quran society where i learned you know how to teach the quran i taught the quran i led tarawih i led prayers um and it enabled me to also develop a passion you know and devotion towards the holy quran and also for interfaith work interfaith harmony and thereafter when i moved to canada in 2011 um i served as an imam and i i led you know tarawih across the world as well and i was involved in various other organizations i served as an imam and i gained a lot of experiences but finally in 2019 just last year um i decided that you know i need to establish an organization which can work um basically which can be like an umbrella organization um with the holy noble quran society and i developed and i established sorry founded quran club toronto which is a project by the holy noble quran society by thanks international and the vision behind quran club toronto was to have a madrasa and now it's a virtual madrasa alhamdulillah um to have a madrasa where the children themselves love to come whereas when we were young we didn't want to go to madrasa obviously so the danda was obviously something that you know kept us in line but i wanted to develop a madrasa where the children not only they come and they read quran and they you know they have to memorize these duas and all these things and whereas i wanted to develop a madrasa where the children yearn to come and that's what we have alhamdulillah developed where but as now our students you know they are telling their parents you know please can we go we need to go to the madrasa we need to go we need to go to the madrasa why because not only do they learn the quran they play games um and you know we work on their leadership development um we now are just renovating uh, our campus in toronto and it's going to have a fitness room a gymnasium we're going to have fitness equipment we're going to have a ps5 we're going to have a games room we're going to have a media room um where we're going to motivate our children to uh, become content creators all these kind of things um we're going to have a studio where you know if one of the children wants to for example sing a nasheed or for example you know say some spoken word poetry these kind of things so we basically essentially quran club toronto was something that you know i want i wanted to do for many many years but finally i was able to work on this project alhamdulillah it's basically you know the first of its kind virtual leadership center for muslim youth um so it's something that alhamdulillah i'm very proud to be working on alhamdulillah and in terms of solar solutions it's interesting because i was considering um studying 
alternative dispute resolution back in 2013. And I went to even a law school and I looked at a course and these kind of things. I spoke to a few lawyers. But what led me to conflict resolution was conflict itself. Um, and that's interesting. But I learned over the years, obviously, de dealing with conflict. You know, I had to, you know, chase people who owed me money. Unfortunately, I had to retain lawyers <coughs> and pursue, obviously, justice in court. And I was very successful, alhamdulillah. But one thing I learned over the over the course was that how can I, for example, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala led me towards this when once I was reading a hadith in Bukhari Sharif by the Prophet, peace be upon his family, basically has guided us that there's a great reward of, you know, bringing reconciliation amongst people. This is, a, this is an action that is, you know, something that is considered very noble in the Holy Quran and in the Sunnah of the Prophet. So one night at 3 a.m. I was as usual thinking and reflecting and, and the idea of Sulha Solutions, you know, was born. And Alhamdulillah, I've been involved in mediation since 2014, very actively actually as an Imam. And Alhamdulillah, I was very successful in, you know, saving marriages, you know, reuniting couples, resolving disputes amongst business partners and amongst organizations and you know, landlord, landlords and tenants and all these kind of things. And then I then pursued formal training because a lot of the times what happens is when you're an imam, you have to do a lot of work. You have to do counseling. You have to do a lot of things. And you're not essentially, we're not essentially, when we study that's in Islam, we're not trained in conflict resolution. We're not trained in counseling and all these things. Obviously I'm a chaplain as well. So I had some experience. I had a lot of practical experience in spiritual care counseling, but in terms of dispute resolution, um, I had practical experience, but I thought that, you know, I need more theoretical experience and I need to learn from the best. So Alhamdulillah, I was able and very fortunate and I have been very fortunate to learn from the best mediators, arbitrators and conflict, conflict management, um, you know, academics across the world very recently and I have obtained certifications and there's, I'm, on, on the, on, I'm in the midst of obtaining some major globally renowned designations as well. Um, and I believe I will be the only Imam with such designations in, uh, in mediation, arbitration and conflict management. And I want to use these, these skills and this skill set um, to be able to serve the community, the Muslim community across the globe, because now I'm doing a lot of ODR work, online dispute resolution. So basically, I've resolved disputes in Pakistan, America, uh, England, Canada, across the world, Alhamdulillah. So this is something very exciting. And Sulha Solutions is really a non-profit organization that aims to basically resolve the disputes amongst our Muslim community members. You know, typically mediation can cost around $10,000 for one case. You have to pay the mediator, you have to pay the lawyers. So for a person who wants to mediate the dispute, they could be paying tens and thousands of dollars. Whereas as a non-profit, <coughs> Sula Solutions, you know, we charge 10% of that. And even those charges are obviously to propagate and to obviously um, help the organization continue the work and, and basically it's administration and, and, and obviously mediator travel costs and mediator costs and time costs. But again, our objective is to serve the community. Arbitrations can cost up to 20 to 30, even $50,000 or even $100,000. And our aim is going to be to, you know, resolve arbitrations and conduct arbitrations. And, you know, basically people will not have to pay much and they'll be able to resolve their disputes uh, in a way where 
once they have the arbitration once they have the award that award will be can be used across the world so i'm very fortunate to be involved in arbitration mediation and i'm also now going to be doing med arb which is a new um dynamic for adr and i'm involved in odr so this is a great blessing of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that he has you know put me in this path inshallah to again serve the muslim community across the world yeah talking about arbitration and all this stuff this stuff really costs a lot and many people actually don't resolve these kinds of dispute thinking that it will cost them money uh, i mean it's like a great thing that you're trying to you know reduce the cost so that you know people are eager to you know provide a you know maybe come on to common grounds and you know have a meaningful you know then they can you know part ways if they want to peacefully and do you plan on expanding into different countries maybe come go, come over to india yeah so what what we're going to do now is obviously now the beautiful blessing of the internet is in order to expand now you don't necessarily need to have a corporate office throughout the world you need a website you need uh, zoom <laughs> you need internet connection you need you know obviously you need a good uh, you know it team which i have alhamdulillah so <clears throat> yes we are going to be providing solutions globally now um and what that means is that we are going to just work on you know resolving disputes globally and solar solutions we're going to take it globally because and it, because the demand has already been there and just in this year since the pandemic has started i've had calls from all over the world including london uh, america europe and we've been alhamdulillah very fortunate to you know solve many many issues and i look at it like this when we resolve a dispute in the muslim community we're strengthening the community and when disputes continue and they are not resolved in our community the whole community suffers so spreading sulha is you know spreading peace and this is something that we need to do and going further on this i'm also currently in the midst i've developed and i'm developing currently a lot of courses for imams and for alims and those who are studying dars nizami in dora hadith those who will be the ulama those who are you know hafiz and qaris for example we are going to train them in online dispute resolution we're going to train them in mediation because i believe every imam who's an imam of a mosque across the world needs to have you know foundational knowledge of conflict management and mediation you know as imams you know we can't just you know we it can't just be assumed that we you know we know it all it doesn't work like that you have to learn the prophet peace be upon him and his family said you know that go to china if you have to you know it's you know it's alleged allegedly he said you know go and go to china if you have to to learn or for example seek knowledge from the cradle to the grave another hadith which is alleged you know some say it's um it's extremely weak or fabricated however the meaning of the hadith is important which is uh, the meaning of the statement is important that you know we must seek knowledge from the cradle to the grave and a leader is known as someone who is constantly learning and constantly developing himself or herself so we're going to be training not only imams but we're going to be training you know female you know women leaders as well in conflict resolution so what we want to do now is that our children teenagers when they are in the madaris when they are learning about islam we want to teach them that the quran and the sunnah has taught us the skills that we need in order to resolve issues for problem solving you know the life skills leadership so that's why i'm very happy that you know in at the holy and noble quran society i am working on training qaris and imams already in tajweed and in leadership 
And then we have Quran Club Toronto, where I'm, where I'm obviously we're working on leadership. We have our virtual leadership center. And then, you know, we have now as well in Sulha Solutions, where we're going to be developing and creating, um, you know, conflict resolution leaders as well. So we need, uh, you know, we need various leaders. You know, we need, you know, some, for example, some imams, for example, you know, will specialize in Quran and Qira'ah. You know, that's something that we need. Some some will, you know, at Quran Club Toronto, we, you know, we're going to work on developing Muslim leaders who, who develop and who who basically uh, pursue careers in media, uh, multimedia, for example, or, for example, entrepreneurship, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then in Sulla Solutions, we also, not only do we want to resolve disputes, but we want to train, you know, those individuals who have a great personality and who have the ability to be good listeners and who have the ability to, you know, listen to people and be empathetic and resolve disputes, who have the passion, you know, we are willing to train individuals because this is, this is the work of Allah. And, you know, we have to create successorship. You know, these organizations, I'm the Khadim, I'm the founder, but it doesn't mean, you know, they don't belong to me, they belong to the community. So we have to create, uh, we have to pass the baton, we have to create, you know, young uh, leaders who will continue this work and who will take the work to the next level. Yeah. Nowadays, uh, there's a lot of interfaith gatherings and still, unfortunately, Islamophobia is on a steady rise. So what can we as a youth do to help the situation? So we need to obviously, we all now have our social media profiles. We have a voice now. We need to use our platforms to spread positivity. You know, we need to use our platforms to connect with people of other faiths and to make them understand and to make them see the beautiful reality of Islam. Look at, for example, these travel vlogs nowadays. You know, you have so many people. You have, I don't know if you're familiar with YouTube, but you have people like Drew Brinsky, for example. You know, he's been to Pakistan and Afghanistan. Recently, I watched his um, <clears throat> show about Turkey as well. And you have, you know, all these content creators are going out there and, this, and they're traveling to Muslim countries and they're seeing the reality of Islam, which is, which is beauty. That is totally a positive. Yeah, definitely. So we can also do that. You know, so whatever we portray outside, that is what people are going to see. So, and we have the power now to portray positivity. So we should portray positivity. But if I'm going to be using my Facebook page, for example, or my Instagram page to basically to cuss and just to spread negativity and to say, you know, this is Haram and he's Kafir and he's Shia and this is that and like this, then to spread fitna, then, you know, to spread sectarianism, then, you know, then we, not, we can't do anything. So we have to also understand that our Facebook pages, they're going to be there after we die as well. So this is an amana that Allah has entrusted us with. So we must be very careful and we can, you know, we should utilize these platforms to the best of our ability. Sheikh Ibrahim, what do you think, you know, since you are into a lot of, you know, leadership education, you are exposed to a lot of youth. What do you think that we as a youth could uh, work or improve on? That's a great question. Um, when we talk about improvement, there's always room for improvement as the saying goes. So we have to have this um, vision within us that I want to improve in every skill set that is just like an athlete, for example, you know, a boxer, for example, you know, recently we had the Anthony Joshua fight. When you're doing boxing, those of you who have watched the, the movie Rocky, there's not one, it's not just one, for example, drill or one exercise um, 
or one routine that a boxer has to go through it's multiple it's you know it's cardio it's strength training resistance training so if we want to be fighters and leaders a leader you know a leader is a fighter in a sense where you know you're fighting your own battle you know you know self discipline is something i believe self discipline really is something that we should all and we always need to improve upon self discipline self awareness self development but right now the greatest challenge we i think as youth have presently is time management productivity given the fact that we have snapchat and we have instagram and we have facebook and we have whatsapp and so many other platforms out there and you know we need to really think and ask ourselves which platform should i be using for example if i'm looking for a job right now i'm not going to be really finding a job on snapchat am i i'm not going to be finding a job uh you know on instagram per se am i on instagram yeah you, potentially you could you know be creating content and we could be making money but you know you're better off using linkedin for example you know that's where obviously that's where obviously you know the recruiters are looking for individuals who are looking for work so productivity is very important you know and as youth we need to be punctual with our prayers we need to be make sure we you know we the prayers really i look at it as the prayers are a tool for us to become productive we have fajr in the morning we have dhuhr there are time that certain times to make us time conscious and to make us organized so the prayers punctuality with the prayers starting the morning with reading surah yasin you know before we sleep the prophet used to for example as you know recite surah alif lam mim sajda and used to recite surah mulk so we need to make sure that the time that we're spending every single day we have 24 hours we need to divide obviously those hours into segments and we need to have a segment of obviously a segment for earning a segment for learning you know a segment for obviously praying a segment for obviously relaxing so we need to we need to really value time because success is something that comes with time you have to work towards it so yeah that's those are some of the things i'd like to you know i think the, the, the young, as young people you know we can improve upon is obviously our productivity and time management and self improvement so this there's this question i always you know wanted to ask a person you know who is usually theoretically successful so can one be can one have a strong muslim identity and also be professional of course <clears throat> in fact this is uh, an obligation for all of us we must be successful economically uh, socially um you know islamically we have to be successful because that's how we do that's how we can do dawa for example you know for example if someone is right now look at in the world right now you know who developed the pfizer vaccine an immigrant you know who came to germany a turkish immigrant you know there's a picture of him you know he's a young kid wearing a yellow shirt you know they say immigration is not good for the countries you hear you know and yet a muslim immigrant came to turkey he became you know a scientist and he developed a vaccine that is going to save the world potentially that's a great example of of the balance and the importance of being successful you know in the world in the duniyawi element and also for the akhirah so the prophet peace be upon him and his family also said that you know the best people are those who 
provide the most benefit to people. The Prophet, peace be upon him and his family, before he announced that he was a prophet, was an entrepreneur. But he was an honest entrepreneur. He was an honest businessman. You know, he learned from Hazrat Abu Talib. He learned ethics from his own wife, Hazrat Khadija, who was a female entrepreneur, female leader, the greatest leader. You know, after Hazrat Fatima, she's the greatest woman to have stepped on this earth. So we must become the best at what we do. If you're an accountant, be the best accountant, be the most honest accountant. If you're a lawyer, be the most honest lawyer. So that when people deal with you, people, they say, you know what, this guy's a Muslim, but look how professional he is. Unfortunately, I have to say this, again, in terms of saying this with constructive criticism so that, you know, we can improve, including myself. We have a lot of Muslim professionals right now, but there's a need to increase the professionalism. There are a lot of professionals, but there's a lack of professionalism. So we need to work on the professionalism component. You know, as Muslims, you know, we need to help each other. We need to build each other. For example, right now, if I'm a mediator and I shouldn't have the attitude that, you know, I want to, you know, I want everyone to come to me for mediations. No, that's not, that's not how, that's not how my attitude needs to be. I need to, in fact, help other people who also want to become mediators, you know, so that's why we have the training component. So these kind of things. So we have to be the best, you know, at whatever we want to be. And that is important because that's how we will be able to, you know, um, that's how we'll be able to really um, cohesively work together with society. And we'll be able to, you know, show the world that at the end of the day, the Muslim contribution globally is one of the greatest contributions out there. You know, the Muslims invented so many things. You know, we teach at Quran Prana, there's a course about, you know, how Muslims have from history until today are continuously, you know, contributing positively, you know, throughout the world. So we don't necessarily need more Imams and Hufas. We need, obviously we need, we need them, but we obviously need more professionals from all backgrounds. We need, obviously we need, you know, we have lots of digital content creators. We need more uh, Muslim journalists. We need, you know, more Muslim scientists and we need, but the, the whole concept here is that, you know, being a Muslim is not just about praying five times a day or fulfilling the, the, you know, the pillars of Islam. It's about really, you know, benefiting the Ummah, the entire Ummah. And everyone is included in the Ummah, well, you know, Christians, Jews, Hindus, everyone. It's about benefiting the Ummah with the skill and the blessing and the, you know, the special uh, blessing that Allah has bestowed upon an individual, whether that person is a plumber, for example, or that person is an artist, or that person is a, you know, web developer, Allah has given us all skills, and Allah has given us all, you know, unique skills that we need to, you know, we need to obviously master, and we need to develop those skills, and then once we've developed those skills in our, you know, in, in terms of our respective professions, then we need to give back. Islam is all about giving back to the community. So what advice would you give to married couples and people who are looking to get married? Since the divorce rates are, you know, steadily increasing mm -hmm. each year with 50% in the US and about 13% in India. So why do you think this is happening? And, you know, like how can people reduce those? So interestingly enough as well, one of the organizations that I'm a part of and I'm the founder as well, but, as, but I'm not obviously 
running the entire organization. I have a group of imams who we're supporting through this organization is, is something called easynikah.ca. We have a service that where we basically um, conduct nikahs for, for Muslim couples. <clears throat> One of the reasons why the concept of a divorce is increasing is because of the nature that has now surrounded us as a community and this nature of me, myself and I, this attitude of it's all about me, this attitude about what am I getting. So this greed and this selfishness has led to the increase of divorce. Obviously, unfortunately, there are other issues. Sometimes, you know, there are issues of domestic violence. Sometimes, obviously, um, you know, one partner is not appreciating the other. Um, and also the lack of just, you know, tolerance in relationships, obviously, is no longer there like it used to be. That being said, it's important. And I would advise a lot of couples out there who are thinking about separating or who are on the verge of separating to reflect on the reality that, you know, the grass isn't necessarily greener on the other side. At the same time, divorce is something that Islam has allowed. And sometimes, you know, you may just not be compatible with your other. And it's okay. You can move on because Islam has given us an avenue for that. But remember, the best way to move on is when you can move on productively. You know, one of my very close friends and teachers, Dr. Sayyid Ali Mashraf, who teaches Arabic and was the head of the Arabic department at the Abul Kalam Azad University in India. He advised me when I was currently, when I was also going through um, <clears throat> a dispute, financial dispute. He gave me some amazing advice. He said that when you are going through a dispute, a lot of the times when people are going through a dispute, they spend a lot of time in that dispute and they become like those individuals who are on a train journey and all of a sudden they stopped and they got off the train and when you get off that train now you need to make sure that your transit does not last days months or years it should only last minutes or hours for example so he advised that you know make sure that you keep moving in the train of life so that's why I would advise to individuals that, you know, if, you're com if you think you're, you're compatible and you can still make it work, make it work. You know, a marriage is about compromise. It's a garden. In a garden, sometimes you have to change the plants. Sometimes you have to put more water. You need more soil. A marriage is constant work. It's constant effort from both sides. You know, don't discuss your problems with your, don't involve your family members in your problems. Problems between a husband and wife need to stay between the husband and wife. If they, for example, cannot resolve them, them, them by themselves, then they should go to a, a person who has experience in conflict management or in mediation. But don't just go to your mother or your father or your brothers who have no idea and who obviously are going to be biased and who are going to get emotional and who are going to tell you to, you know, attack that individual or go after him and all these kind of things, you know. So just, just remember that. So that's what I believe that, you know, you know, these are some pieces of advice that I would give. And again, like I said, a <clears throat> marriage is like a garden. At the same time, if you are not compatible, then, you know, sit down and respectfully, amicably, 
work on how you can separate. Meet a conflict management professional, you know, who can help you with a separation agreement. Because if you want to, you know, go, if you want to divorce and you want to, you want to fight in court, then, you know, that's something that I wouldn't recommend because it's, you know, even after, you know, being very successful in court proceedings, it takes years and that wait is, is very stressful. You know, you have to wait and you have to wait. You are at the mercy of the court. You know, the elders in the past, they used to supplicate that, oh Allah, keep us away from the courts. Why? Because remember the courts, they have their own process. It's time consuming. It's, you know, money consuming. So that's something to think about. You know, it's important as adults that we learn to, we learn, you know, we learn to agree and disagree and respectfully we are able to, you know, kind of move on and learn to even respect each other even when we have differences. So moving on, I have a little bit of inappropriate question. I don't know if it's inappropriate or not, but I'll ask regardless. So what's your take on the LGBTQ community? Does Islam accommodate those community? And also where does Islam take a stand for uh, pedophilia being included in the LGBTQ community? Because there's some people wanting to include that also. What's really? on that? People want to include yeah. that? Yeah, uh, there's some movements going on. I've heard about that. So what's the whole situation? Like, where does Islam stand? So this is something that the Quran has addressed. Obviously, it happened at the time of Luth. The Quran has repeatedly, you know, referred to, you know, the people who are involved in this. Sometimes the Quran says these are, you know, people who lack knowledge. They are, you know, um, obviously the opposite of having knowledge is have not having knowledge and, and, and awareness and obviously and the Quran has also referred to them as Musrifun as well you know basically going beyond the limits <clears throat> at the same time these people obviously people with such tendencies have existed and even in the Muslim world they've obviously they must you know they have existed and and it's something that you know as a muslim community we have been tolerating of obviously our religion is clear that you know such acts are not permissible in islam and allah in one hadith i read that allah does not even look at the individual who engages in this at the same time allah is the one who forgives all the sins so even if someone you know by mistake out of lust you know out of a lack of you know um being able to uh, you know, being able, being able to obviously control their desires, and uh, you know, and because of a lack of being able, being able to fulfill one's desires in 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 a, in, in a permissible way, if one has you know resorted to such actions, then that person, if that person does tawbah, Allah will forgive that person because Allah forgives all the sins. <clears throat> there are various verses and indications to this as well. The Quran is crystal clear. So you know, the reality is that. This does exist and obviously it's increasing now because obviously in throughout the world is increasing and it's becoming more and more open. That being said, we need to obviously educate our Muslim youth about why such actions have been deemed impermissible. And that is because, you know, <clears throat> Allah Almighty has created us in a way where the Quran mentions that we have been created in pairs, you know. And Allah has created us 
and he has created you know obviously our spouses for us and allah has obviously taught us about marriage and the importance of women and how women <clears throat> are have been obviously made permissible for us in terms of marriage etc etc so the quran has pointed us to all these things and the prophet peace be upon him his actions his life is a clear example for us and the life of the companions is a clear example for us of how we need to be living our life that being said when we look at history you know you look at history and you even look at for example how um certain things have happened during you know history and you know wrong things have happened as well and then you know unfortunately such things happen at the same time i must point out as well that a lot of people you know some people may be even leaning towards such actions just because of the you know the lack of control of self you know of, of their desires and and you know we need to address these things and, and we need to point those people in towards <clears throat> you know certain actions that can help them control their desires such as you know controlling one's diet you know pointing those people's to people towards obviously tasks and activities that can help them from avoiding to engage in such activities but the biggest challenge and the biggest issue right now if you ask me that is i believe is um spreading this spreading these actions is actually pornography and the availability of of content that is out there that people are watching and then they want to emulate that because as human beings when we watch something we want to try it when you watch for example online if you're watching a travel vlog and you're watching a video about sea kebabs you know you're going to want to eat sea kebabs or you're watching someone eat a chicken shawarma you're going to want to eat a chicken shawarma if you for example if i'm watching someone now on youtube who's eating albaik and i want to eat albaik so likewise if someone is watching you know two men lustfully you know having intercourse one person could obviously be um unfortunately one person could be you know a person can obviously you know can be you know um, attracted towards that just because of just because of watching something so because it's psychological effects aren't they so that's something that we need to i think we need to there needs to be a like a global campaign about we then something really needs to happen with regards to blocking pornography um because it's too easily available i mean you know a 10 year old or you know a young child who has a laptop or who has a phone or an ipad can google things and can 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 you know can be watching things and it's it's really scary it's really really scary and i think as parents you know we need to make sure that we keep our children away from from you know from such immoral um you know images and, and, and videos that, that that unfortunately do exist and and you, you're mentioning unfortunately i can't believe what you just mentioned to me you know like pedophilia is you know such an atrocious and such a criminal activity and for, for you know for people to be considering that you know how can you consider that normal i mean you know but again why is this happening it's because the, when the Quran has addressed, you know, when the Quran has addressed the fact that when individuals, when two men are lustfully having intercourse, then that is an action described by the Quran as an act of jahl. And when the Quran has addressed that same act later on as an act of israf, what that shows is, is that, <clears throat> what that also goes to show is that, you know, when someone engages in israf when someone engages engages in jahl there's no limits so what you're what you're saying 
is when people go beyond the limits and when there's when there's no limits to anything then you know people will do whatever they want the prophet peace be upon him and his family said you know when modesty goes away then people you know when modesty is is is, is terminated then do whatever you wish do as you please and and this is unfortunately very sad to hear it's important that we you know there's been stories of you know people doing things with animals and it's it's very very important that we really mentor and that's what we do at Kronkri we want to mentor and you know our young in the, our, our young students and our youngsters out there and we, we you know we really need to work on the minds you know we need to work so, on we need to work on the minds of the muslim youth to make sure that the minds you know are purified you uh, talk about your father on social media and how he has impacted you can you like share a little bit you know how he has impacted your work you know your life yes alhamdulillah so <clears throat> behind obviously every great man obviously is a woman as well the mother the wife you know the sisters the daughters but obviously the father is always the role model for any child and the father is described as the one that if he is pleased then allah is pleased so my father has impacted me a lot to the extent where just last night i was thinking when i was younger allah had blessed me with a beautiful voice again this is the risk of allah almighty some to some allah gives them a lot of wealth to some allah gives can some can give someone a good voice and a voice is very powerful because a voice can not only move someone's heart but it can move someone's soul <clears throat> so my father from a young age he used to um, encourage me to recite the quran to go to gatherings and he would say to me go go to the front and you know recite the quran or recite a nath for example and i used to be very shy and i just used to have this shyness that you know i don't want to you know i just don't want to go and i'm just shy and but my father helped me break this shyness but when i was no longer shy when i was 10 years old and i'm now in front of 500 people and i'm reciting a nath or i'm reciting the quran that was my inaugural journey of leadership you know because at the age of 10 years old when you're in front of 500 people or a thousand people and you are yeah and you and you're singing and you and you're for example you know you're singing the praise of allah and his rasul sallallahu alaihi wasallam and people have tears coming out of their eyes you know this was really something that i guess positioned me in in in, in leadership and this is obviously one element but you know that was but that was the performance part and people saw the performance but behind the performance there was the training that my father used to do with me making sure that i pronounced each letter in urdu correctly making sure that i pronounced letter in arabic correctly you know tips and all these kind of things and then you know throughout my life my father <clears throat> i consider him my best friend and he's always obviously my I, whenever i'm you know confused about a project or whatever it may be I will I always consult with my father or my mother in fact I do not I not I do not even start a project um I do not leave a project until my father or my mother advise me accordingly and this is something that I want to say to our muslim youth out there um that just understand one thing sometimes obviously you know we all as children you know our fathers will be strict or our mothers will be strict and they'll say no don't do this or don't do that but I'll tell you one piece of advice and that is that you know your friend your friends more like of you know most of the time will tell you what you want to hear a true friend is someone who will tell you what you need to hear but let me tell you something your parents will always tell you something that you need to hear and 
no one can give you the most sincere advice like your parents will. Because when your parents are giving you advice, they have your best interest at heart. So always listen to what your parents have to say. Even if, if you disagree, you disagree. Even right now, my father will say something. I'll say, okay, well, I think it should be like this. But listen to it and try to understand it. Because they have your best interest at heart. And not only do they have your best interest at heart, they want to see you succeed. In today's day and age, tell me how many people actually want to see you succeed. A lot of your friends out there, you know, they may not necessarily want to see you succeed. You know, a lot of times, you know, I, 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 learned, I, I learned a lot of things in my life. You know, people want to be your friends, you know, when you are giving them some form of benefit. When that benefit stops, the friendship stops. But parents, my brothers and sisters and my dear viewers <clears throat> will always, you know, support you. So my father has always been, has always supported me and inspired me and he continues to inspire me. And I really want to leave this message that, you know, please always listen to your parents, listen to what they have to say, you know, and, you know, don't, don't, and okay, maybe they don't have a PhD, who cares, you know? Maybe they, maybe they never even went to high school, for example. Maybe they don't have a formal education like you do. But, you know, Imam Ali actually said as well that when you are consulting with someone, consult with someone who is sincere, who's honest, and someone who has your best interest at heart. And, and you know, parents always have their best interest at heart. At the same time, communicate with them, be open to them. If you disagree, Explain to, the, explain to them the reason why and, you know, your fears or your concerns and they will listen to you. But I want to encourage all my viewers, all the youngsters out there, develop the ability to always communicate with your parents, whatever it may be. Even if you're going in, you're in a relationship right now, you, you know, you like this girl or you, if, you're a, if you're a girl and you want to marry this boy, talk to, your, talk to your mother or your father. Talk to them openly. The more open you are with them, the more they can advise you and protect you. Yeah. For example, if you have a lawyer, if I have a lawyer right now and I, and I don't tell my lawyer the reality, how can he help me? So, yeah. you, have to, you know, you have to tell your parents, tell your parents, you know, so that they can really advise you. You can't really advise someone cannot, if people come to me for advice, I, have to, I say to them, tell me the reality, tell me the truth, tell me the whole story because I can't help you if you don't tell me. So yeah, we have to help our parents to help us things changed for you being the online chick previously you know the instagram wasn't the like a big thing and you know now how has things so, changed <clears throat> so when i was uh, back in the united kingdom kingdom i was you know one of the um earlier people who joined facebook i'm talking in 2007 that that, that was when i joined facebook and then facebook was something that was really common amongst university students um I'm not talking about like, you know, the beginning, beginning, because I don't know exactly when it was founded. But yeah, I remember in 2007, I had a cousin who was a medical student. He, he mentioned something about Facebook. And then, so I remember joining back then. So I, I've been very active since then on Facebook. And obviously at the beginning, you just add your friends and your family members, your relatives, and then, you, you know, your network grows as you, as you uh, meet new people online. So I've, I've been active online since, you know, since the technology evolved, um, I remember the days we used to have MSN Live. I don't know if you remember that. Maybe you, you know, you, I don't, you probably don't because 
you are more. I heard of MSN, but you know MSN life. I don't know. MSN Messenger we used to have back in the days. So after school, yeah. we used to basically chat with our friends on MSN Messenger, and then there was a, obviously, and then when BlackBerry came out, we had you know BBM, and then now it's obviously just DMs on uh, Instagram and 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 obviously WhatsApp. Um, but yeah, I, I was always involved in technology because I myself, to be honest with you, I was going to pursue a, a career in uh, IT. I remember uh, after high school, I, I actually enrolled in a, a diploma for a IT program. So I was looking at computer science, obviously, reason being because, you know, back then, you know, everyone was saying, you know, everything is going, you know, IT is the career to be in. Um, so then I, I enrolled in a course in college and then what, what happened was I left because um, I started working with my uncle uh, who was importing sports cars from Japan. So I was really interested in cars. So I left college and I started working with my uncle. So I started managing his business. We were selling, buying and selling cars, you know, Skyline and Pretzels, uh, you know, and that was a very amazing experience uh, to the extent where, you know, now after approximately 13 years now, 14 or 15 years now, I'm thinking of going back into, uh, you know, occasionally buying and selling and importing cars now. Uh, so I'm going to be importing specialists like classic cars from England, from Japan as well. Because I'm just very passionate about cars. I myself, when I was younger in England, I would buy a car and then sell it and change the car and, you know, every few months. So, um, yeah, so that's, you know, that's what I have to say. I don't know. I don't know what you asked me, to be honest. I'm so sorry. I don't know. <laughs> no, that happens. There. So how has things changed for you being the Sheikh online? Yeah, so, I mean, things haven't really changed because, like I said, Alhamdulillah, I was always active online. And uh, even I was doing business online, buying, selling, um, you know, eBay. I remember selling on eBay and then selling my cars on Facebook. You know, you have Facebook Marketplace. Um, I remember when there was no Facebook Marketplace, I remember even just putting, uh, like, you know, posting about my car, you know, I'm selling this car. And now we have so many tools out there now. And so, I, Alhamdulillah, I've always been active online and... Uh, I am glad that I have this mindset and I also have a diploma in ICT because I think it's essential for any professional of every of any profession to be tech savvy nowadays because without being tech savvy, um, it's like if you don't know how to use Zoom, I mean, how are you going to conduct your business? So it's important. And I'm always learning. I, you know, I took a few courses with Zoom recently about how um, you know, I watch tutorials. It's important that we are always learning, like I said, because learning never stops. And the moment you stop learning, you stop growing. So Alhamdulillah, technology, obviously, it's changed in the fact that obviously it's more easy, more accessible. Uh, things are easier to use now. There's less, less, less you know, technicalities. And um, yeah, I mean, at the same time, I enjoy meeting people in person more socially. But now I myself now, you know, I do occasionally now uh, do video calls, you know, whether via FaceTime and stuff like that, just to stay connected. You know, because a lot of the times we're chatting with our friends on WhatsApp and, you know, sometimes when you're on a, on a video call, it's just it's just something else. It's, it gives it, you know. More it, real. Yeah. Real kind of. This is the new, this is the new uh, socialization now, you know, just FaceTime. Yeah.
So what what is your biggest failure that turned out to be the biggest blessing? That's a great question. Honestly, like personally, my biggest failure <clears throat> was when I when I part exchanged a car. Um, this was around 13, 14 years ago. I was buying and selling cars, like I said, and the biggest failure was where basically I swapped, I changed the car with a person, you know, I had an Audi TT and he had a, uh, I had a Mercedes first and he had an Audi. So we swapped and that was, but you know, so I, I, I did a business deal with this person and the first deal was good. The car was genuine. And then the same individual contacted me later, a few months later, and he said, I have another car, let's swap cars. So this time I swapped the car um, and he gave me a Jaguar, which looked very good on the outside and the inside, but the engine was something was wrong with the engine. And I ended up losing 2000 pounds. And after that, I really, I kind of stopped. I took a break from buying and selling cars and I just bought a simple car. Um, that was, but from that failure, what that made me realize is that, you know, I need to be careful. I need to obviously listen to my father who's saying to me that I need to buy a simple economical car because I always wanted a performance car. I always wanted a luxurious car. So that, that was one of my biggest failures. That's been, that's probably my biggest failure until today in my life. Um, the loss of that much money. That being said, yeah, I think the car element, but now, you know, 15 years later now, I want to go back into, you know, occasionally, uh, you know, as a hobby, you know, buying cars and, and, you know, restoring them and, you know, modifying them, beautifying them and selling them. But I'm always going to remember that mistake that I made. So that's why what I'm going to do is I'm, I'm working with a friend of mine who's a mechanic. So before we buy a car, he's the best mechanic in Canada um, from automotive professionals. But before we buy a car, he's going to inspect the cars, whether it be, go, be buying a car from Japan or Germany or England. And, and I think that is uh, the way to go forward because, um, you know, once the mechanic, obviously he's going to check the car, he's going to inspect it. So we're going to make sure we're not buying anything that is problematic to begin with. So that car issue was definitely my biggest failure. And to, until today, I don't forget that because I remember when I sold it, I went, but I did sell it as well. It didn't, you know, um, I lost around 2000 pounds, but I remember my father saying to me, you know, you should have, you, you, you made such a loss, business loss, that you should have just kept the car on the driveway. It looked good. Um, <laughs> But that being said, and you know, it's, it's crazy because after that, so, I bought, I, I actually listened my, I, the next car, the, the next few cars that I purchased, my father was very happy because I was buying, you know, a Toyota Corolla, I was buying a Toyota Yaris, I was buying economical cars, you know, hatchbacks, exactly what my father wanted. But prior to that, I, I wanted to buy coupes and sports cars and, and, you know, I guess you learn, but right now I want to buy obviously another sports car or a performance car, but now I know that, okay, I want to buy it or I'm going to sell these cars but I'm going to make sure that I have a mechanic who's on board with me, who's on my team, who's going to make sure that there's nothing problematic with the car. So Sheikh, where do you see yourself five, 10 years down the line with the businesses you have and also basically in life? Where do you see yourself? Inshallah, if Allah wills and if Allah, you know, gives me life and continued, you know, success. I have a plan and it's important that we all make plans and my 10 year plan, you know, consists of <clears throat> mainly um, mentoring and, and, and producing um, more young leaders like Alhamdulillah Allah has, you know, given me the tofi to, you know, already mentor and produce many leaders across the world. But 
to you know have more students who are successful business leaders who can you know positively contribute in terms of obviously my academically speaking i have looked at you know considered doing a doctorate in education that again will help uh, our organizations and also i'm thinking you know i'm going to be working towards becoming a fellow of the chartered institute of arbitrators which is the highest degree and and just you know pursuing more knowledge in in mediation arbitration conflict management um yeah so that these are a few things but at the same time i think the main goal of mine for the next decade is to just you know be constantly growing and uh, improving myself and just trying to positively contribute and and help as many people as i can to be honest because you know every day is a great opportunity to do something good and we shouldn't take any day for granted every day is a day where we could do something that could you know put a smile on someone's face so we just take it a day at a time and inshallah every day just try to do something beneficial for myself and beneficial for others if you could have dinner with three people dead or alive who would they be and why okay three people so obviously the first one would be our beloved prophet peace be upon him and his family and the second one would be um hazrat ali imam ali and the third person would be i guess imam hussein because these are the three um leaders who continue to inspire and influence me on a daily basis and not just inspire and influence but empower me um spiritually educationally and also um physically to you know be strong and, and so you know those those are probably the three people that come to mind because again you know these are and again these are the leaders of paradise so what's that one advice you'd like to give the kids out there watching the one advice i'd like to give is a an advice my friend gave uh recently when we were together at an interfaith uh, dialogue and that was never give up you know at the same time work hard but never have this you know giving up attitude you know um a lot of the times you know when we young you know we start something and before we even start something we say to ourselves oh, i can't do this but we actually can do it so my advice would be start don't stop so we have to stop and we have to keep going steadfastness is very important so whether it's education you're at school right now you're in law school you're studying pharmacy you're studying medicine whether you're learning how to for example you're becoming a mechanic or whether you're learning you know how to basically um cook you want to be a chef for example and because every profession comes with its challenges every skill learning any skill requires a lot of sacrifices and it you know it's challenging but the moment you say to yourself that i can't do it you will not be able to go anywhere you will not do it because you've now developed an attitude of obviously weakness and now you've you know you're telling yourself when you tell yourself you can't do it then you will so believe in yourself do it um you know never give up and start the work continue be steadfast and most importantly you know never lose hope in allah always rely on allah if you always rely on allah and you put the effort you will never fail you will never fail 
And even if you do fail, even if you do make a mistake, you'll be able to bounce back and learn and you'll be able to make sure that you don't repeat that mistake. Because remember, you know, if mistakes are repeated, you know, then, you, you know, we can't repeat mistakes. When you've made a mistake once, we shouldn't repeat it again. And if you do, you know, make it again, then again, you realize. So that's my, that my parting advice would be, you know, rely on Allah, always rely on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Even if you're alone, it doesn't matter. If you have no one to help you, you can do so much. You can, you can establish an organization. You can run a business. You know, you can, you know, right now, we're living in a day and age where you want to become a content creator. You want to become a video, uh, you know, editor. You can do it all by yourself. You don't need anyone. You don't even, you know, everything is at our fingertips right now. So, you know, we need to, we need to start and we need to move in the right direction. To wrap things up, uh, where is the best place people can find you and come in contact with you? Um, on Instagram, you can add me on Sheikh Ibrahim. On LinkedIn, you can find me. Instagram is probably, you know, I guess it's easier. A lot of people are on there. On Facebook, I also have a page, but I guess I'm a bit more active on Instagram. There are times when I feel like, in fact, last night I was thinking I need to delete this. At the same time, you know, one of the reasons why I don't delete Instagram is because I get messages from a lot of people who, you know, they tell me how, you know, my posts or my stories inspire them. So for that reason, if I'm providing, alhamdulillah, benefit to some people, and if people are able to, you know, um, benefit from my advice and something that I'm sharing, so that, you know, enables me to continue to be on these platforms. Like I said, these platforms are an amana for us that we must utilize them and promote uh, as much beauty and, and positivity that we can. It was very nice to uh, meet with you, Atar Rahman, and I hope, you know, look forward to remain connected with you. And I wish you all the best in your career in pharmacy, inshallah. I pray that Allah makes you a healer for the whole mankind, inshallah. Ameen, Ameen. Ameen. Take care. Assalamu alaikum.